0: Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. Yeah. Uh, that's that's Marvin Gaye, G-A-Y-E, uh, old school artist. Uh, it's from his 1971 self-titled album, What's Going On. The name of the song is also called What's Going On. Uh, a lot of people might remember that song because after 9-11 happened, uh, there was a tribute using that um, chorus, Basically using that song, well, it was basically the song, um, and it had Bono from U two, Britney Spears, Gwen Stefani, Christina Aguilera, Destiny's Child, Nelly, Fred Durst, um, even some Backstreet Boys, and some others. Um, but Joe picked that song out this week, and uh, you know, I think it's a really good song, and it sends a good message. How you doing today, Joe?
1: Not bad, Sean. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well, man. Um, why did you choose these lyrics? What what about them uh, speak to you?
1: Well, I'm a big fan of 70s Soul. That the old sound a lot of it took place here in philadelphia but throughout the country that was a special time the late 60s early 70s i could go on and on about uh about 70s soul i mean some tremendous stuff was done and every once in a while i'll just uh in my car or wherever i'm listening to music i'll go through these i'll go through these cycles where one week i'm listening to early 90s pearl jam and and, and you know uh nirvana and this and that guns and roses and it was just one of those times where i felt like some old 70s soul and i just dialed it right up and i said oh i know what i have to hear you know i have to hear some old marvin and as i'm listening to it uh the lyrics mother 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 there's too many of you crying okay and that to me is i mean it was written in the context of the 60s and the vietnam area and so forth and so on and civil rights and all kinds of things like that but these lyrics were written you know uh over 50 50 years ago and they're still true they still reign true today if you really think about in isolation the word mother 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 there's too many of you crying how many mothers are crying today uh young men getting shot in in the inner city and other places and and mothers losing their sons and so forth uh brother 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 there's far too many of you dying Far too many uh, young men dying today. And not only brother, brother, brother as in male, but anybody, a fellow human. There's too much violence. There's too many people dying. Uh You put on the news every night and you see senseless deaths and so forth. And it says, you know, we got to find a way to bring some love in here today. Yeah. And loving, you know, love, the word love has many different meanings and so forth, you know love thy neighbor as thyself. It doesn't mean love thy neighbor as thy best girlfriend or whatever. And like an amorous thing, love has a lot of different uh, connotations, but you know, uh, we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. We've got to find a way to instill uh, in the young folks coming up, the value of human life. I mean, I, I just, I, I see some of these, these young guys getting in trouble and 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 and, you know they they on the news they catch this guy for murder and that guy for murder and it turns around they're babies they're 17 year old kids and 18 year old kids and 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 from all walks of life and everywhere but to take someone's life and to not really you know to not be phased that much i think in the root of it too is um a lack of respect uh for human life uh, that i see uh, but I, I just, I just see this stuff and I see lyrics that were written 50 years ago and they could have been written last week. What he was crying for, what, 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 what Marvin was trying to say, he was trying to reach out and say, let's care a little more. There's too much bad stuff going on. And you, they, these lyrics could have been written last week. There's, there, there's, you know, still relevant and they still hit you right across the jaw. And I just thought, especially this time of year, you know, this is for all year long, but especially this time of year they just they just really hit me and um that album, by the way, is one of the best albums in history it really is um and marvin was uh Marvin was a special cat and a really talented guy man you want know, we we talk all the time about about lyrics and how powerful they are, and then you combine them with the music it was just it it's you know. Uh, you hear this song and it's one of those songs that just makes you stop what you're doing. And that, that's why, that's why I did it. That's why I did it. So,
0: yeah, man, Um, it is a good song. It really came on my radar after 9-11 because after 9-11 when they had that, that song with all those superstar singers, especially at the time, the people singing, like, you know, you might not think Christina Aguilera is a big name now. You might not think Destiny's Child is a big name now. Well, Beyonce is Um, Nelly. He's not a big name now. Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit, not a big name now. Um, Gwen Stefani still kind of a big name. She's a host on the Voice. She's a judge. Uh, Bono definitely still a big name. He's an all-time legend. Britney Spears, everyone knows her story. She she was a superstar, and then she had some problems. Uh, her family kind of screwed her over for a while with the conservatorship, where uh, they control their money, um, and they made her seem like a lunatic who couldn't like handle her own life. Um, but you know doesn't matter that the, the artists are not that big time anymore uh what matters is at the time those were the cream of the crop a lot of these artists and this is the song they chose um and right after nine eleven i guess i don't know who chose it but um it was for i think it was for nine eleven I'm reading right now <laughs> i'm reading um was not for nine eleven there's a there's someone saying it was not for nine eleven but it was literally right after nine eleven i i was you know i'm almost pretty sure uh it was for 911 but anyway i dig i digress as joe says um <laughs> it was a hell of a song and after 911 it was playing everywhere um they said it was recorded shortly before the 911 attacks and then it was decided afterwards the song's proceeds would benefit the american red cross's september 11th fund as well so i guess uh i guess it was recorded before but Nonetheless, it became a 9-11 anthem type type song. But no, I'm glad you chose this song and I'm glad you switched up the artist a little bit because um, we, we, the first couple episodes, we went with like the classic rock artists. Um, you know, we've done some pop artists. Uh, last episode, I did Katy Perry. But I appreciate you uh, bringing you know, diversity into our song selection for sure. And you putting that song back on my radar. It's another song that I did not have on my master playlist on Spotify. Um, I added it as soon as you told me. It's one of those things where I, you know, I knew about the song. I loved that song for years, but you know, once I joined Spotify, I haven't, you know, transferred everything over to, you know, what I had on my iPod, I guess. But right. anyway, I want to say I digress after every sentence now, cause you say that so much. I'm <laughs> I just want to say I digress. <laughs> uh,
1: There's nothing wrong with that.
0: But, um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, too many of, of us dying. Um, how about Franco Harris, the, the legendary NFL, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler passed away this week at the age of 72 um, today, actually December 23rd, as we're recording uh, I think it's the 50 year anniversary of the immaculate reception that catch that he had versus the Raiders coached by John Madden um, where it was fourth down. The game was about to be over and Brad just threw the ball in the air, not even intended for Franco Harris. And the ball was deflected by Jack Tatum, the safety for the Steelers. And, uh, Franco Harris got the
1: Safety for the Raiders.
0: For the Raiders, yeah. For the Raiders. Thank you. It's okay. Um, Obviously, yeah, because he's not not the Steelers, so I had to be the Raiders guy, but that's my bad. That's okay. So, so yeah, so Jack Tatum deflected it, and people, there's a whole dispute over whether the ball hit the ground and whether it hit the receiver that Bradshaw was throwing to. But nonetheless, uh, Franco Harris scooped that ball up before it hit the ground, and he ran in for a touchdown. And and a hell of a play. And that's what he's remembered for. Well, he made the Hall of Fame. He played about 13 years in the league. Uh, I think he made nine Pro Bowls. He won four Super Bowls. He was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1990. Uh, so he's an all-time player. And 72 years old sounds old to some people, but I still think that's an early age to die, uh, especially for a guy who yes. was a pro athlete. He's probably in great shape most of his life. Yep. Um, but Joe, do you remember watching that? Did you watch that game live? Where were you?
1: The funny thing is I, I was sitting down with my father and my brother in a little, we called it the rec room. You know, you walk into the house, there's a little foyer and you walk down three steps and that was our TV room or the rec room as we called it. Uh, I was an eight-year-old kid and we were sitting there and I really didn't know too much about what was going on. I mean, I knew football, bas- the basics, you know, I was just starting to learn um, and we're just sitting there watching that. And all of a sudden we were rooting for Pittsburgh because this was like, I said, we were just young and we, we figured, oh, they're Pennsylvania and this and that. So, uh, we were rooting for Pittsburgh at the time. Uh, and we thought, oh, that's it. It's over, you know, and then we saw Bradshaw and as soon as it hit the guy, we figured, oh, that's deflected. It's over. There's no chance. And then all of a sudden. The cameraman, it, it switches to Franco running with the ball and the crowd's going crazy and we're all sitting there with our jaws on the floor. But I'll never forget that. I will never forget it. Now, as time went on, I'm not really a Steelers fan. And to this day, I'm, I'm certainly not a, a Steelers fan, but I have to say, um, you know, it, it's a funny thing. The Pittsburgh, and this is honest to God, the Pittsburgh Steelers in their, since their inception back in the early 1930s, they had never won a playoff game up until like the 1970s. They went all that time. They never even win a playoff game. They were, they were about as bad a, as you can be for all those decades. And that play is what really turned, started to turn everything around for that franchise. And I will just, I, I just have to say that, um, with regard to Franco Harris, he was a class act, a hell of a football player. And I was actually saddened. I really was saddened just as, as, as a, as, as a guy, like, you know, as a person, someone's dies at 72. Like you said, in this day and age, that's, that's kind of young. Uh, but I was sad because they're getting ready to commemorate this thing uh, this weekend. They're going to commemorate uh the anniversary and you know i presumably he was supposed to be there and so forth and some of the other people that were involved that are still around were going you know he was going to be there and be a part of this whole thing and are you kidding me three or four days but before this i just felt bad about about the whole thing what a sad what a sad turn of events but um uh much 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 respect for franco and much, much respect for the Pittsburgh Steelers because, um, you know, they put together quite a run there. And what can you do? Sometimes you just have to tip your hat. But, uh, really, not only did it turn things around for the Steelers and start their dynasty, <clears throat> it was a, it was a big moment in, in NFL history. It really was the immaculate reception.
0: Yeah. And, um, I didn't even realize that he went to Penn State. But he was born in Fort Dix, New Jersey. And Fort Dix, New Jersey is a place because I played soccer growing up. And um we had uh, a lot of games at Fort Dix. They had, you know, a lot of land there and a lot of soccer fields. Um, I had no clue that he was born there. Um that's interesting. Because Fort Dix is like a military base, so I'm wondering if his parents are military, but you know, I digress. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, that's sad. It happened right before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, but you know, um, things happen in life, you know.
1: That's right. That's, that's it.
0: Um so Christmas is coming up. We we previous episodes we did uh we did uh Hanukkah, I, mm-hmm. we did Kwanzaa. Uh we like to include the the key holidays around this time of year. We're not discriminating. Um I celebrate Christmas because I grew up Catholic. Uh Joe, you celebrate Christmas. Um, the thing about Christmas is, you know, people think that he was born on December 25th and that's why Christmas is December 25th, but it really, I don't think his real birthday is December 25th, Uh, but nonetheless, um, it's commemorated, you know, I think Christmas means Christ's mass, Mm um, but Uh, It's one of those things, you know, Christmas is not necessarily all about Jesus. It's not necessarily all about religion. It's a cultural holiday too. You don't have to be Catholic to celebrate Christmas. You don't have to be a Christian to celebrate Christmas. You can be an atheist and still celebrate Christmas. It's open to everyone. Um, The Christmas trees, the lights, the memories growing up. um, Some memories that stand out to me about Christmas growing up was uh, me and my sister. uh, We always look forward to opening our stockings. Um, so usually she would get up before I did. I would have trouble falling asleep every year. Cause I, you know, I wanted to look outside at a certain age. I stopped you know, realizing, Sa- I, you know, I knew Santa wasn't real, obviously, but anyway, I, I used to look outside, look for the reindeer in the sky and Santa. That was when I was really young. Um, and then my parents really spoiled me, but the stocking was awesome because that was the first thing that me and my sister could open. She'd wake me up. We go downstairs, we open the stockings. Uh, That at some point we go upstairs and try to wake our parents up because my mom was always up all night wrapping presents. Um, She waited to the last second to to wrap those presents, but she got the job done. And she always made it believable that Santa was was filling the stocking, that Santa was uh, eating the cookies, that Santa was leaving certain gifts uh, that weren't wrapped. Because I think the gifts that Santa left were the ones that weren't wrapped. So if I saw gifts that weren't wrapped, oh, that, that's, I guess Santa left out here. But then I think around, you know, it's probably, probably before I was 10 years old, I, I kind of figured out that Santa wasn't real, but I still wanted to believe. Right. right. Um, and then at some point, you know, when I was younger, um, I knew Christmas was coming up. So I'd always, you know, try to figure out what I was getting for Christmas. And one year I really wanted a uh, PlayStation two and PlayStation two was really hard to get. Um and then I woke up one morning on Christmas one year, and there was a blue box, and there was a that was a playstation two, and I was so happy um and uh I guess I'll just say this on the air now, but um I actually i'm trying to think, yeah i did i i stuck in my my mom's room, and I think I saw that I was getting that playstation so oh <laughs> so you, boy yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're I, in trouble now, man <laughs> yeah yeah, so if they listen to this podcast, they'll know <laughs> that i uh that I saw that PlayStation, but nonetheless, when I got it on Christmas, I was like, hell yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was awesome. That was one of my, that's one of the most memorable Christmases getting that PlayStation. Um, I'm trying to think if I really did see the PlayStation before Christmas. Cause when I got it that morning, yeah, I probably did see the PlayStation. You know, now my mind's, you know, opening up files of different Christmases and going, you know, that type of thing. But so Christmas is always like a special holiday for my, for my family we, we didn't really go to church every year. Um, or even on Christmas, sometimes we went on Christmas Eve. And then at some point when I got old enough, I would just kind of rebel and say, no, I don't want to go to church this year. I don't want to go to church. You know, it's full, it's full of people and it's really crowded on Christmas. It's like, you just want to relax, open up gifts, you know, uh, watch some Christmas movies, listen to some Christmas songs. Um, but there's such a, a special feeling around Christmas. Um, with the songs uh, with, the, with the weather, it's getting colder. I, I never, I don't think I've, you know, I haven't experienced the Christmas um, on the West coast. So, you know, I'm sure, they have, I'm sure they have trees and lights and they do their thing. And they have these little Christmas uh, scenes and everything. And like, they set the towns up nicely in nice. these Western towns, but there is something to be said about Christmas in the East coast. And I'm not even bashing the West coast. I just don't know how the experience is with Christmas on the West coast. I just know the East coast. Um, In New York City, they put that they put that big tree up every year, um, that huge tree at Rockefeller Center. And I've seen that tree a few times. It's always huge. Um, It's always well lit. It's very well decorated. And a lot of people travel from all over the world to be in New York City during the Christmas time and to see that tree. Um, You know, I've seen I've seen uh, the Christmas show at Radio City Music Hall. I've seen uh, the Christmas Carol Broadway show. So I have a lot of like cool memories about Christmas. And then the cool thing about Christmas with my family was, um, my grandmother, I call her nanny. Uh, she would always have a separate Christmas set up at her house. So I'd have this whole thing at my parents' house with tree oh. the tree, and gifts and the stocking. Then I get to go to her house and open another stocking yes. and open even more gifts. So I had like two Christmases and like, and I, I was just really spoiled with a lot of gifts. You know, there's no complaints of how my parents, you know, spoiled me on Christmas. I, I really got a ton of stuff. Um, And, you know, as I got older, it was one of those things, you start getting clothes and then it starts getting less and less exciting. What am I going to get this year? More clothes, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I, I love Christmas and Christmas is renowned all over the world and celebrated by lots of people. Like I said, you don't have to be super religious to celebrate Christmas. Um, and I don't even get offended when people say Xmas. They use the the letter X and they say right. Xmas to shorten, to take Christ's name out of Christmas. I used to get when I was you know growing up. I used to get a little bit sensitive about it. I was like, oh, you're removing Christ's name because Christmas is you know he's the he's the reason for the holiday. Um, and now I don't really care. It's Just people saying Xmas. They're not thinking about like xing Christ out. Um, they're just typing you know shorthand type of thing. But um, Joe, what what's your feeling? What are your, some of your memories from Christmas? You know.
1: What I remember mostly is just, uh, you know, when you're a kid, everything's magical. You have not a care in the world. And what some of the things I remember every Christmas I would get, and I, I don't know what other things I would get. I'm sure I got other things. But every single Christmas on my list would be a brand new football. And I can remember every time, every just being excited that to get that foot, football and I couldn't wait to get out the front door and start throwing it around and playing ball out front and those kind of things. I, that's what I remember most and family and, you know, extended family, your aunts and uncles coming over that, that whole week, you know, people would visit in and out and that kind of a thing and the music, the music. And uh, I, I think I was about 10 the first time they took me with them to midnight mass. And that was pretty cool, too, because I'm like, wow, it's 12 o'clock at night, and we're staying here. I
0: I went to a midnight mass one year, too. It was actually pretty – it's probably kind of a cool thing, i got to be honest.
1: Especially – yeah, especially when you're a little kid and you're thinking, geez, it's past my bedtime, and I'm here, and we're singing these these nice songs, and it's really neat and so forth. and And – then you get a little older and you don't really appreciate it that much when you're in your, your late teens and early twenties, but then you start to look back and say, wow, those times were pretty doggone cool. That, that's one thing that I, I remember about Chris. It's the other thing is a story I don't think I've ever, even ever told you. This is a true story. When I was in fifth grade and, uh, Mr. St. John, um, was the teacher. He's a younger fellow. He's a cool, cool teacher. And, uh, he wanted, uh, me and three of my classmates, uh, uh, Richie, Ricky, and Davey. I won't mention any last names. And myself. He says, you know, do you guys want to go out and, you know, get a – this is back in, you know, you know 74-ish. This is back – none of you could, could do it today. But he said – he turned us loose. One of the kids get, brought a saw from home. And he says, go, you guys want to go out. You guys are going to behave now, right? <laughs> Let's turn us loose. Now, the school was up against some woods. Uh, and then there was a highway. It was about a 100 yards of woods and then a highway. So we're, we said, yeah, we'll go out and get the class a tree. And he was expecting we would come back with some little shrub or something like that. Well, we went looking around and looking around. We get to the, almost near the highway. And it was some businesses. that You know, this is <laughs> this, the back.
0: The school was still going on during this? <laughs>
1: yes. And he set us loose. And we went out the first day. We didn't come back with anything. And we said, well, we're, we're working on it where we, you know, there's one that we're working on. I guess he didn't really pay much to attention. Okay. Okay. You guys go out tomorrow. And what we did, we didn't know it at the time. Sounds like a really
0: responsible teacher. He gave you guys a saw and said, go outside.
1: Just like I said, he was a great teacher. Everybody loved him. He was fairly new. And this was probably,
0: probably probably the cool teacher, right? He was considered the cool guy.
1: Yeah. And he was 1974. Now it's a different ball game today, but anyway, uh, Uh, we get out to Ricky. One of the kids, Ricky said, look at this one here. It was pretty big. It's like, you know, it was 20 feet high, maybe more. And he says, but look at it. It looks like it's frosty. It looks like it's naturally frosty. And we all looked at it. Yeah, you know, it does have a different look. And we said, well, that kid's too big. We said, you know, but if we climb up there and we take the top, you know, top five, six feet off, you know, so we each took turns. We took a, a belt. One of the kids, Richie, lived about a stone's throw from the school he went home and got one of his father's belts so we, we each of us took turns and we'd go up there with a belt and we'd climb all the way up with a belt so we did and we'd all take a turn saw and this we get tired and the other guy can long story short we take the top five feet six feet off the top of this tree okay <laughs> it falls to the ground we drag it from you know through through the woods Cross the street and all the way into the school, all the way in. And he, Mr. St. John said he knew there was a problem when he got wind of the the four of us needing help to pull it through the doorway because it wouldn't fit. And he thought, Oh my God. Well, it turns out it was a car dealership and this was the, it was a 30 foot blue spruce. Okay. So what happened was we're all decorating the tree in this beautiful thing. We're decorating with popcorn and all this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden, about a half an hour goes by, and these two guys show up, and they look like they were ready to go absolutely thermonuclear. They said what they did is these were the guys that owned the car dealership. Okay. They followed the path of needles because it left. The, he says oh he followed God. it all the way into. The, I just, I'll show you a newspaper article on it in the little township paper. It was a true story, Sean. Uh, and he followed the the needles all the way into the classroom. This guy did, and he said when he got there, he was he was fit to be tied. But he said he saw all bunch of little kids decorating the thing and he he said he he couldn't do anything but just shake his head and but there was a it was there were people that had to answer and this and that now mr saint kept his job and everything (laughs) but we were scared you know we we know what well boy we really did it this time and it it was a big you know and it was uh, in the paper it was a small it was a small township paper right and so it was but nevertheless it was a township paper and it was the front page, <laughs> little tree toppers and the big spruce. I'll show it to you sometime.
0: That's amazing. And I feel like that should be, that should end up in a movie or a show at some point, in a plot line of a Christmas episode. Cause that's, you know, I have not seen something like that on TV or in a movie. That, that's friggin' funny, dude.
1: And, and, and I'll show you that. And, and for years, if for years, and matter of fact, the article concludes with, Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. And then he says, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, but he says uh, somehow there's going to be a twinkle in the little kid, the little guy's eyes when they sing that this year or something like that. He made reference to, um, but it was, it was a whole so thing. And
0: it was the car dealerships tree. Yep. Um, it was a, it was a tall blue spruce or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. And they what had with had they been using that tree every year as like their Christmas thing to decorate? Like what was the purpose of that tree? Was it just on their lot?
1: Well, that therein lies the rub because it was the back of the car dealership and then it was back about maybe hundred hundred feet or so. Um, but it was still, you know, what the guy said and it came out in the article that I he said he was going to put a floodlight on it to accentuate it you know so it was far enough away from the building and it was close enough to the edge of the woods that we really couldn't discern and it was the last thing on our mind all we know is boy wait till everybody sees what we're going to bring back this thing looks like it's naturally frosty because we couldn't have told you what a blue spruce was you know um But that's the way we, as you know, and Ricky said, he says, it looks like it's frosty. I was like, yeah, it does. But it was, it was a big to do. And it was, it was something that, um, that stayed with it for years after that, to this day, if I run into any of those guys, it's one of the first things we talk about and, uh, I got heckled for years. Um, you know, one of my dad's friends would call me Jingles, like for Jingle Bells. This could be in the middle of July. And you go, hey, Jingles. I mean, it was something that, you know, like, it's something that uh, that stayed with us for a long time. It was just one of those things that was neat. But that that's a Christmas I'll never, ever, ever forget. Have, and, have uh, you ever
0: seen the movie A Christmas Story? Because it's on every year on TBS. Oh, it's yeah. 24. That movie, I watched it every year. That yeah. and uh, Christmas Vacation, The National Lampoons with Chevy Chase. Yeah. Um, Man, those are great movies. And there's the scene where uh, the kid gets his tongue stuck on the uh, the pole—that's a classic.
1: Double, double dog dare you! Yeah, he says. But the
0: story uh, you just told sounds like something that could have been in that movie. You know,
1: it could have been. But um, Christmas movies—I mean, let's not forget Jimmy Stewart. You know, let's not oh, forget. My,
0: it's a wonderful life. Because oh. the story is one of those things. It's like imagine uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's like, he lives as he sees his whole life and it's a horrible life. And then he realizes like he wakes up or whatever. It was all a dream, that type of thing. I'm like, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Cause it's black and white. And maybe people listening to this podcast want to check it out, but it's a very like good story.
1: It's, it's great. It's a fantastic story.
0: And, uh, I didn't realize, but the first recorded Christmas celebration was in Rome, apparently on December 25th, AD which is after death, after Jesus died, um, three thirty-six. um, so that's what they say in Rome, but another thing I didn't realize there's a guy named King Herod, King Herod the Great, and apparently, because um, they're trying to speculate when Jesus was born between six BC and four BC, um, he tried to kill. Je- I don't know how he knew. Maybe you know he he tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. So he had he ordered the death of all male infants under the age of two who lived in the vicinity of Bethlehem, known as the Massacre of Innocents. So if that's actually true, that's that's crazy. this guy was just having babies killed because they they realized the Messiah was coming, so just kill any baby. Like, you know, the yep. type of that's another part of Christian history that really um, these details really you think about. It, you're like, wow, that's those are some crazy times that, that actually happened. You know?
1: Yeah, that's 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 uh, another reason why I'm not so crazy about uh, you know some of these um, autocracies. You know <laughs> that are trying to to, to uh, be formed again today you know i like democracies and freedom and let's not go backwards with that kind of stuff but yeah that, um, that, that's so scary stuff
0: do you have you do you remember having a white christmas they call it white christmas is when it snows do you remember having white like, white christmas at all
1: never i don't remember i i don't i don't recall i really don't even growing up i don't ever remember uh that happening but the idea of it is, is really nice you know <laughs> The idea that you watch your programs and you watch your movies and watch your shows. I mean, I, I'm sure in New Hampshire and so forth, I have it all the time, but here, I, I guess there was one or two, but I can't remember any, you know?
0: Yeah. It doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. Um, almost, at least where I live. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be about 30 degrees out on Sunday. Um, but yeah, Christmas is awesome. Um, it's one of those things we have, it's like, a you know, I think Christmas is cooler than my own birthday. Because my own birthday is just about me, you know, it's just, you know, and at this point, you know, I'm 36, nobody really cares about my birthday, but Christmas is always celebrated. And now I have a, you know, a whole different perspective on Christmas being an adult. I don't have any children yet, uh, but I have, you know, younger family members who I can get gifts for and things like that. Um, but as I got older, I realized it's all about giving, you know, it's, it's not necessarily all about receiving because when I was younger, it was all about receiving. What am I going to get? And then I think around like uh, 11, 12 years old, I started to actually like buy some gifts for my family. And then I realized I love seeing the joy on their face when they open up my gift. They don't know what it is, right? Um, and then it became harder and harder for them, to, harder for me to buy them gifts as I got as they got older, because it was like, you know, do you want clothes and like, what do you, what can you fit into and this type of thing. And then I have all these different family members, so. It's it's kind of frowned upon but I do I do a lot of gift certificates cuz I know with the gift certificate they're going to get exactly what they want. Um so people call it lazy and they think oh you get gift certificates it's lazy but I don't think so. I think getting gift certificates is perfectly fine and it gives you the option to do what you want with the money with the gift certificate especially if it's for a specific store. You're basically telling them buy whatever you want in that store. And that's like an awesome, you know, awesome gift. So you know It is. Yeah. What about you? Like when you when you give gifts, um, do you get joy out of giving the gifts?
1: Yeah, you will know, certainly you, you do and you hope you hit a home run. Um, but like you said, you're not really sure and no one's going to tell you. Um, I saw something on, on one of the news programs the other days. They did some kind of a survey and the most people are in line with you. Most people feel that they'd rather give or receive a gift card because if it is the thought that counts, it's like, here, I got you something. Oh, really? You got me something? Thanks. And not only that, I'm going to get exactly what the hell I want too. That kind of, you know, so I think, I think it was like 67 or 68% of the public actually prefer gift cards throughout the whole thing. So yeah, that,
0: that makes me happy here in that those results because uh I'm a big advocate of gift cards. I mean, yeah, it's not for the person they don't have this physical big gift that they can unwrap and see what the hell it is, but a lot of times you have to fake your excitement on people especially when, when certain people get you gifts, you have to fake excitement. You're like, "Oh, you, I just got this nice random sweater." And like you got to act like you're very like, you know, you like, "Yeah, man, enthusiastic. You got to fake enthusiasm." It's like,
1: exactly.
0: So with the gift card, it's always one of those things. When you know, another cool gift that I just we're gonna we're gonna end Christmas for you know in a little bit here. But um, one cool gift I got one year, I really wanted a, this cell phone, this new Verizon's. Uh, flip, there are a lot of flip phones at the time, and my grandmother, my nanny, got me a, a, a Verizon uh, flip phone, and I was just so hyped up. So looking back, the the the, the, the best gifts that I think I ever got. I mean, one year I got a Furby. There was a, there was a toy called Furby, which is like the most popular toy and it was impossible to find. It's like that Jingle All the Way movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. They're trying to get that 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 toy that everyone wants. Right? So Furby was a toy. Then there was uh, um, snoring, sleeping, snoring Ernie. So Ernie was snore. <laughs> um, so I got I got that. So I got those cool gifts. One's everyone wanted some of the years, but the ones that stand out to me is the PS2, the PlayStation Two, and and the uh, the cell phone that I got. But I digress. Um, I don't know, Joe, if you're keeping a counter and how many times I said digress this episode, but I think, I think it's at like four right now. But
1: Well, I feel bad, but I, I, I can't stop the way that I use it. I use it and I use it because it's appropriate. A lot of times I stray. So I'm sorry yeah. if it, you know, through osmosis, you, you have it too, but no, uh, I, it's, it's, it's
0: cool, man. I, it's I like a good way to phrase. get
1: yourself right back on track. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like my favorite phrase right now, but, um. So, yeah, you know, that's enough about Christmas, I guess. I mean, well, it's, it's can, cool. Can that, I, you know, if you want to have I anything get, more to say about nativity or Jesus or anything, you're welcome to.
1: I have two quick things I want to say about Christmas um and you 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 indicated this too if you're not necessarily a christian or whatever you you like i said you could be an that's fine too because even the pagans were there's 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 you know history the of the pagans were lighting you know putting candles on a tree because it was it has to do with the winter solstice too and people needed to feel some sense of celebration so it, it wasn't necessarily you know so a lot of our rituals weren't necessarily about but 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 and i'm not going to get crazy about this but i just say that for me it, it's about all those things, too, but it is about that dude, and because no other birth, no other human life in the history of human beings, no other life has had anywhere near the impact that that one life has had. So the beginning of that life is significant, that birth. That's number one. Now, on a lighter note, uh, you and I talk about Christmas music all the time. We talked a couple of weeks ago about some of our favorite. I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist. I told you a oh, holy night and silent night and all these kind of things. But, uh, I want to ask you this too. And if, if it's, if you have it, you have it. But I, I just wanted to know to get away from tradition for a while. And I think you indicated you, you, your, you know, your Christmas songs are more modern, but there's one, uh, there's one Christmas song that's done by a rock and roll artist. It's a classic song, but it's redone, you know, by a rock and roll artist. Man, and,
0: he's the Man Freddy or Man Street something.
1: Oh, no, that, that's pretty, that's sort of in between. That's not classic, but it's not rock and roll. Bob Seeger did a version of Little Drummer Boy and I love Bob Seeger. I love Little Drummer Boy and his version was even much better than Bowie and this and that. Bob Seeger, Little Drummer Boy. Folks, if you get a chance, check it out it is it's just it's it's two good two awesome things coming together so I was Absolutely, just just man. wanted to get that in. yep
0: um so that actually kind of connects to our next topic um so this week Joe you chose the actor um you chose Joe Pantaleano um hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly um he yes, was born sir. in 1951 he's still alive he's an Italian American he grew up in Hoboken New Jersey interesting thing I was reading is like some of his biography, his mom was a seamstress, but she was also a bookie. So I just picture this tough Italian woman in the fifties. sixties. <laughs> she was also a bookie. Um, then his dad was a hearse driver and a foreman. It's like these, I love hearing that the occupations of these, like the blue collar jobs of these people who were like, you know, born in like the fifties and sixties, their parents, because not everyone had, to, had the option to get truly educated. So they had these jobs, they had to make a living. Um, so they they figured out skills and, uh, you know, had uh, careers and whatnot, but you chose this actor. I'm glad you chose him. Cause I remember him a lot, mostly from the Sopranos. He said, he's had such a memorable role in the Sopranos, but I say that, but you your Bob Seger, um Christmas song connects to this because one of his movies, I'm sure this is in your top five is risky business. And uh, that's my second classic Bob Seeger song playing um during one of the scenes where Cruz is like dancing in the house. His parents are gone and stuff. But uh
1: I like that old time rock and roll. Yeah.
0: You know, what 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 about Joe that um uh, besides having the same name as you, uh, <laughs> what's going on with this guy? Why is he so special to you, man?
1: Joe Pantaliano. Okay. Uh you and I spoke that we're going to do we're going to do um of course I I could tell you my next actor is going to be one of those mega stars. He's a he's a he's a, a giant. But in between those giants we like to do sure, like
0: you sure that's not Ed Harris?
1: No, Ed Harris is coming up though. Much respect for Ed. Okay. okay? Good, good. And if you did uh, check out that that movie I was telling you about um Uh, I'm sure you'll see an example because he's he's just, he's one of our finest actors in in the last half century, Ed Harris. I I look
0: forward to our Ed Harris episode.
1: No problem. So, but uh, I digress. Okay. Pantaliano, also known aka as Joey Pants. Okay. Okay. I always liked his work. He's been around a long, long time. He's one of those cats that you can forget about, okay, from time to time. But if you really take a closer look and dial in, it's like, wow, he's been around a long, long time. I wouldn't say he's super, super versatile, but longevity and the characters that he does. He's he's somewhat versatile. The characters that he does play, he always has a screen presence about him. And that's what I like. And and really, I just want to go over.
0: His voice is very unique, right?
1: Yeah, you you can close your eyes and like hear that and you can almost identify him. Um and uh, you know, he, he's from he's from not that he has to be, but he's from Jersey. As a matter of fact, about twelve years ago, uh a neighbor of mine at the time, a neighbor of mine, his brother, was sitting down Atlantic City one night, just gambling a little bit, drinking a little bit. He was three three stools away from Joey Pants. He was down there from from Joey, you know. So uh Joseph Panteliano. Okay. M- my top 5. Okay. 5, The Fugitive. It's been a while, but he yep, played it. Yeah, played a, a deputy US Marshal. A good movie. Back, back, back in the day. Number four, the Mean Season it was back in 1985. He played a reporter. Kurt Russell's in that with him. Pretty good movie. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but I remember it being a great movie. This is where it starts to get a little tighter here. Number three, this is a movie that I always thought was another one of these movies that I thought should have been bigger you know, than it was, but a movie with Robert De Niro uh, called Midnight Run. Yep,
0: yep with Charles Gordon. Too. With
1: Charles. <laughs> Grodin and Charles Grodin is a unique character I might do him the week after I do Ed Harris I don't know I'm gonna have to see but um he plays a bail bondsman does Joey Pants in that movie and the other two guys the whole combination that thing was fantastic the movie's fantastic number two you just alluded to it it's a movie called Risky Business that a lot of things started with that movie he played a pimp okay uh also there was a young lady that was just absolutely phenomenal rebecca de mornay kind of kicked her off her career and it was this kid uh tom um uh, tom cruise that's his name okay Okay. (laughs) he it started his okay started his really launched his career but in that movie risky business when Tom Cruise is sliding across the floor. I like that old time rock and roll. And we didn't plan this either. I didn't know, you know, I just kind of but um that was number two. Uh and Joey Pants in that movie. He was a pimp. And it turns out he was a pretty and decent guy at the end. The scene,
0: yeah. I remember the scene uh when he's out is outside the house and uh Joey and uh well I'm we gonna call him Joey Pants now. But anyway, uh, uh I think his name's Guido in the in the movie. So Guido visits Tom Cruise's character and he's like what's going on? Why are my girls here? He's like he's like you know, he's intimidating him. He's like these are my girls cuz he's a pimp in the movie basically. Um and then he says the he says the cruise. He says never ever fuck with another man's livelihood.
1: Right, right.
0: And that was like, you know, that's that that's memorable.
1: <laughs> that is. It is. And he he played a good role in that. And he had all the gold chains, he had the whole thing going. Um this is to me, this is and and listen. Um this is not only It's special because of Jersey again, but you don't have to be from Jersey to dig this movie. It really was cool. It was called Eddie and the Cruisers, and he played a band promoter, a struggling band promoter, and Eddie and the Cruisers took place here in Jersey, the movie. The characters there are a lot of jersey references one character says "Yo, oh, yeah frank's still teaching down in vineland i meant not to say vineland but he you know he said vineland but the reference was to vineland uh a lot of uh jersey shore and so forth and so on uh what i would say about eddie and the cruisers is i liked he played a character called doc Doc was, uh, like I said, the struggling band promoter, uh, an eccentric character, really good. And the movie itself, the soundtrack itself, and it was, is 1983 or 84, but I can remember there were th- at least two, maybe three songs that coming out of that movie, a month later, you could turn on the radio anytime, day or night and catch one of them, you know, on one of those songs. So the soundtrack from the movie was just tremendous as well, and it was just held a special place in my heart. It really did because of the timing of it and the the location the the jersey and and everything and Joey pants was in it and uh it was ju- it was just really that- cool.
0: There's another actor we might feature on a future episode. Tom Berenger was like one of the stars in that movie, I think.
1: Yes, he played the role of Frank and he was. And I I said this to you before. Well, I referenced it before. He played the role of a guy named Frank that was a teacher, an English teacher, but he went with the band for a while. And the main character said to him, he came up to him one night, put his arm around. They were drinking a little bit. And he says, hey, word, man. Cause that's what they called him, word man, baringer's character, the English teacher. He says, you know, you, you and I go together. You know what I mean? Words and music. They're inseparable. You know what I mean? he took his fingers and he crossed his fingers over and he says, you know, words and music. You know what I mean? It was just one of those moments in the movie that it was really cool. But yeah, Beringer was in it. It was a, it was a, a, tr- a tremendous. And there's one song, there are a couple, three, four of them that are great. Um, but, um, what was it? Uh, it, there was a song called, uh, Tender Years. Tender Years. It was just, and every time I hear that, it's like, it takes me back to that time and, and, you know, being young and in love and being in South Jersey in the summer nights. And it just, it's, just, but Tender Years was just, there are a couple of, like I said, there are a, f- a few songs on that, that, that soundtrack that are really, just really neat, man. And, and it's, uh, it's something, something everybody should check out.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, besides Pantaleano being uh, from New Jersey, because he's got a, you know, he, he's he was born in Hoboken, and then he decided after high school to pursue acting, and he grinded. He moved to the city. He took probably acting classes, went to auditions. He worked as a waiter, you know, a server in a restaurant, as most uh, up-and-coming actors do. They, for some reason, the cliche is true. They They work as waiters because, I don't know, it's a cash business, and there's people skills and there's different things. And it's, you know, it's, it's being, working in the service industry seems to be a good thing for uh, people in the art industry who are actors yes. and musicians and such, especially if they're trying to get their career going, they can, you know, they can work a couple of days a week as a, as a server, usually at nighttime or whatever, but I respect his grind and his hustle to get to where he was and where he is now. Um, but I also love about him. I didn't know this, that he's very active in the field of mental health. Um, his mother and him have ish, mental health issues uh, he founded a nonprofit called No Kidding Me Too. Um, it's dedicated to removing the stigma from mental illness. So, just me reading that, my respect level for him, you know, went up a lot. As know?
1: did mine because I've spent half my adult life. I told you Jesse before that I spent a lot of years and and still I'm working in in back in mental health and it, it's. Um, it, it I wasn't even aware of that, Sean, until you just told me and you and I talk about that, you know, quite often. So that, that you know, that just raised my respect for him quite a bit, too. Yeah. I'm glad you said that.
0: Admirable for sure. Yes. Because um, there is it is a stigma. A lot of people look down on mental health. Uh, they will cut people out of their life immediately if they find out that person has a mental health issue. Um, mental, mentally ill people suffer uh, a yes. lot and a lot of them suffer silently. Um, and having advocates out there, especially famous actors and people of influence, uh, is definitely important, but I'm surprised you didn't say the Goonies was on your top five.
1: Never saw it. I know it's a big movie, but I can't, I can't say it's one of my top five if I didn't see it. So
0: my, my best friend, Matt, actually, when I was younger, he got me a a shirt because there's a character in the Goonies, this little chubby kid. And he does something called the truffle shuffle. So -hmm. for some reason, my friend thought that was funny. And he got me a shirt with the, the fucking little fat kid, you know, this it says truffle shuffle it's like it's from the <laughs> goonies um so i had that shirt for a while but the goonies is a classic movie i'm surprised you joe you, you, you really have to see the goonies man
1: you know i i guess i might sometime it's just i did it, it just this, this doesn't seem like my kind of movie i just I'm, dude i'm telling
0: you it's a coming you know, of age adventure story and you can you can think back to when you're a kid and what it would have been like to go on an adventure like that um okay i think i think especially if you like Pantaliano, um yeah, yeah. you know but for me, Pantaleano, my top five, Sopranos is, you know, number one. Sopranos is number one because I remember him from that. He played Ralph Cifaretto. He won an <laughs> yeah. Emmy as an uh, outstanding supporting actor in a drama series all time. So Sopranos, just, we'll mix it up with movies and TV. If, if a person's in a great TV show, I think that should definitely be included in the top five. We don't have to do – it has to be movies. It has to be TV. Right. We can mix them if we want.
1: That's fine. Um,
0: another one of my favorite movies is called Memento. He's in Memento and Memento is an awesome story. It's like, it's like in black and white. It's about a guy who like wakes up and doesn't remember anything. He can't remember. Any- it's almost like he has Alzheimer's, but he spends the whole movie putting together his, his what would happen, how to get to where he was that day. And he starts putting the pieces together. And it's a really well-made movie. It's almost like a, it's almost like a movie going in reverse, um, an awesome movie. But I agree with you. Fugitive is an awesome movie. Midnight Runs is an awesome movie. Risky Business is an awesome movie. Um, he was also in the Bad Boys franchise with Will Smith and martin lawrence
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so and trust me eddie and the cruisers carac- is a he's considered a movie. character actor but um if you want to call him a character actor fine but the guy's talented you know
1: he is no doubt
0: um so yeah i'm, I'm glad you chose him because you know not every episode has to be these these automatic home runs that everyone knows them Um, uh, our hope for the show is that people tune in and can take little things from what we say and hey check out that song i'm listening to this song uh, watch this movie, check out this actor and, you know, learn something, right? Yeah. Um, we're not teaching a class here, but podcasts are educational and they're entertaining. And, you know, it's like, you don't have to read a book. You're going to listen to people talk. And it's like, you're killing two birds on one stone. You're getting educated, but you're also being entertained. I, I love podcasts, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that some of these, some of the people listening could, uh, you know, check out some of these, some of these guys, some of these characters, some of these actors, actresses, all, you know, musicians and, that's one cool thing that, you know, about doing this podcast, Um, you know, and I just want to so-
1: tell you my next one, Sean, not sorry to cut you off, but my next one's going to be a, it's going to be one of those just big heavy hit, but I haven't done one of those in a while. So I'm going to do now my next one's going to be, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but um, I, think, my I, next I one, think I
0: have a feeling, I think because the way you're describing it earlier
1: it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a giant in the industry and then i'm going to go back and do a, a, a b type you know maybe at harris maybe we for i don't know but something like that <laughs> some kind of a, a, an actor like that that's uh you know we, and we and we say this every week but um if someone's just tuning in and they wonder what that's why we re- reiterate this every week what we, our methodology with that um whenever you're ready we'll, I, will, I have a Snapple fact for everybody So whenever yeah, you
0: your yeah, what's your Snapple fact today?
1: My Snapple fact is number seven thirty-two, and it's chickens. Chickens are the closest living relative of the Tyrannosaurus Rex.
0: Ah, interesting. Is that because the uh, the little arms? Uh,
1: you know, I, I don't know what it's because of. I just find it. You know, I do know that um, they say the dinosaurs were more closely related to birds. You know, that that, that they say. Then You would think it's going to be lizards or something, but they said, but chickens are the closest living relative of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, that could spur people on to research it a little further. Again, it's a snapple fact. I just thought it was pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. The snapple facts are cool. What's also cool about that, you said it's number 732. Yes, sir. Uh, the, the area code of where I'm from, Monmouth County, is 732. Wow. So that's a that's a cool coincidence. That is weird. Um, so moving on to our current event, um, we're going to keep it light, kind of light um, this week. Last week, you know, last episode we did China and their COVID restrictions and how they, you know, now they're opening up the country pretty much and letting the people decide what to do, which I'm all all about. Um, today, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the owner of the Knicks, James Dolan. And I'm a big Knicks fan and I'm not, this is not meant to bash him, but the owner, he's, he's the owner of the Knicks, but he also has people working for him and influencing. So it's not all him. But MSG, as I read this article, I knew about this kind of because when Charles Oakley, a famous Nick, got banned for speaking out against the Knicks, he got banned from the arena. Um, I don't, even, I don't think he's been welcomed back yet. But Dol- <laughs> no, Dolan's known for like banning his quote-unquote enemies and putting people on the the you can't get in the ban list. But you know the article I read in New York Times, um, MSG is like the only arena in the country. Um, using facial recognition, or I think I think I think I'm right here. I think it's the only arena in the country using facial recognition technology right now. Um, so they're using it to to make sure that people don't get into games and events. Like you could be go see a concert at MSG, you could go see a game. You can get to the ticket thing. They'll they to scan your ticket and let you in. They'll they'll have the facial recognition and they'll they'll say, hey, you can't come in. And it's not even because they did something bad at the arena. They they did something illegal where they got banned for life or whatever. No, it's because they're, some of these people are lawyers and some of the, the, the people work for law firms who are suing MSG in some capacity. Um, so they're suing MSG in some capacity and they might be involved in the case, but they go to take their kids and stuff to like even Radio City Music Halls, anything owned by MSG, the MSG company, um, and Beacon Theater. And then they're being denied entry just because they happen to work for a law firm who happens to be suing MSG. So I know James Dolan, and again, I'm not speaking out against them because I'm a, I'm a diehard Knicks fan. And one of my dreams one day is to have season tickets to go as, go to as many Knicks games as I can. Um, so, you know, I'm going to support my owner and he's signed my guy, Jalen Brunson from Villanova. That's our point guard now. And, you know, he gets a lot of shit, but I think he always wants the best for the team and he's willing to spend money, but a lot of players just don't want to play for the Knicks. They don't want to play in New York city. Um, they have all the different reasons, but Using facial recognition technology is kind of a slippery slope in a lot of states because a lot of people feel like their privacy is invaded because everywhere you go, it's like big brothers watching and they can just like, you know, everything you're doing, they know what you're doing, which is, you know, not necessarily a bad thing is it probably prevents a lot of crime and terrorism. So I'm all for the government, like utilizing it in some capacity. But when it's like a petty reason for like, like Madison Square Garden Um, using it to like not let people in. Like this lady brought her daughter and her friends, like Girl Scouts or something to like a concert or Radio City Music Hall for the Christmas show. She was denied entry. She walked around during the concert for like three hours while everyone was enjoying the concert um, because she worked for a law firm that was suing MSG in some capacity. So when I read this article, I'm like, what is going on? This, This is embarrassing for the Knicks. This is embarrassing for MSG. It's the most famous arena in the world, in my opinion um joe what do you have any thoughts about that using facial recognition not not to like not to ban people who got drunk and you know got in fights and did bad things in the arena and broke the rules and stuff it's it's using the technology you know to to not let people in the arena to see like a knicks game or a concert just because they happen to work for an employer who has a grievance against madison square garden the corporation um what do you think what is what you know what's your opinion on that
1: well, you know, I, I I don't know too much about uh, the, the Knicks or the, this guy. The only thing I know about this guy is that Stephen A. Smith is not too crazy about him at all. Stephen A. Smith is is always lobbying for this guy to, like, sell the team and do this and do that. And I remember the footage of seeing Oakley um, being escorted out. That was really awkward and hard to watch. It really was, especially Charles Oakley. What I do remember about the Knicks as he was a hell of a basketball player that laid it on the line for them. Um, But at the end of the day, I I mean, I don't like it. I don't like this at all. I think it's very small and petty, but uh, everything I've heard about this cat, it kind of, kind of fits the mold. But at, at the end of the day, um, I think you and I had a conversation a couple of months ago about a company that you were disenchanted with because they were doing something that was at the end of the day, this cat owns the team and he can do this kind of thing as long as he can get away with it. And if he sells out Madison square garden and he can still do this kind of thing. Yeah, at no, the they, end of the, every,
0: every Knicks game is pretty much sold out. Everything in that arena is like, you know, it's a hot ticket. Sure. Um, um, guy's making money. He's making so much money. All right. But Obviously the teams haven't been that great. The Rangers did get to a, a stand a couple, a couple of years ago, but um, using it to bar companies, critics, it's unprecedented. And this could set a precedent in the whole like country. Other owners could start saying, oh, you know, I want to, I want my enemies not to get into the game. Even though a lot of these people aren't his enemies, they happen to just be associated, because it's like guilty by association. Right. They happen to work for a law firm. that happens to be suing him and they're, he's not happy at being sued. So, um,
1: unfortunately, I yeah. And I agree with you, but unfortunately, we we hit the nail on the head and we said he sells it out. So if he sells it out, he doesn't really give a rat's ass and he can get away with being, uh, you know, the, the, the schlep that he is toward people. Yeah, I don't like it. But... Like,
0: they're going on law firms' websites and like, yeah, that's what they're downloading the pictures of these lawyers and stuff who work for the, these enemy firms, quote unquote. Um, uh, But there's also issues like what if somebody doesn't work for that law firm or company anymore? How do they prove that they don't work there anymore? They they, they spend like 400 bucks on tickets or whatever. And then they they get there, you know. They have their dinner. They have the whole thing in the city. It's the whole day in the city. It's the whole thing, you know. And then they're denied entry. It's like, come on, that that sounds petty. And if I could speak to Mister Dolan, I'd tell him, I'd be like, this is really not a good look. And I have the utmost respect for him as you know, as a rich owner and taking care of our franchises. Because I'm a Knicks fan, not a Rangers fan, but I'm a Knicks fan. And you know, I always think that he's he's always trying to do the right thing, and he's kind of taking a step back in terms of like having, you know, decisions on personnel. Like he's hired like the right, he's hired Leon Rose and Worldwide West to help out and get the proper like management in place. And he's always trying to make the team better. He even had Phil Jackson in there for a while. So he gets a lot of crap, but he's always trying to make the franchise a winning franchise. He just gets a lot of crap because his antics and some of his antics involve, unfortunately, things like this. And it, it just, come on, man. It's like, you know, why are you banning? Because imagine, imagine it's his family member going to another state and they're going to like a, like a Phoenix suns game. And then they get to, they're about to go into the Phoenix suns game and they're like, Oh, you can't come in. You work for so-and-so and and we don't like you. We work for like McDonald's and we only serve, like, we only sponsor Burger King and Pepsi here. you drink, you know, you work for Coca-Cola. It's like, you know, it's going to set a crazy precedent if it continues in other arenas, you know,
1: It could, but I would think that I would think that most, I think this guy's the the exception. I think um, most owners are going to, um, they're not going to be anywhere near as small as this guy is. But it, also, that, that's, it, that's, that's,
0: it violates a state civil rights law mm-hmm. that prohibits wrongful refusal of admission to an ent- entertainment venue. So I have a feeling all these lawyers are going to poke holes in this. And uh I don't know how long this is going to last, but you know, come on, that's, it's, it just seems really petty to do something like that, you know? Agreed. And I, I want to continue going to MSG and, you know, I go to concerts there Um I want to go to a Knicks game soon, so Mr. Dolan, please, if you hear this, don't ban me. I still would like to go to you know, the world's most famous arena. Um, <laughs> but I guess that you know that goes into our our sports topic tonight. It's going to be a little bit light on sports tonight. I mean, we're gonna, I guess, focus heavily um, on the Cowboys Eagles game tomorrow. Unfortunately, as we know, Jalen Hurts has been ruled out. Gardner Mitchell is the quarterback. Before we talk about that, I want to spotlight a, a young man on uh, the commanders named Jeremy Reeves. Now this guy went to a small college, South Alabama. He got, he wasn't drafted. And in 2018 in 2018, I think that's when he tried to get into the NFL. Um, he was on practice squads. He was constantly cut. He never made the main roster. Um, just the you know, he kept, if you look at his history, it's like, okay, made practice squad. It was cut, released again, re-signed to the practice squad. It's like, a, it's just, a, it's a common story about a lot of people trying to make an NFL. But this year, he's on the commanders. He's a safety by trade, but he plays in the special teams. So he's getting playing time on the commanders by playing in the special teams unit. And uh, there was a, a video that really moved me to tears of Ron Rivera, the coach of the commanders, telling all the you know the guys who made the Pro Bowl, you know, you made the Pro Bowl. Um, and he calls him into his office, and he acts like he's going to say something bad, like they're in trouble or they're cut from the team. But then Jeremy Reeves comes in, and he plays that little, you know, Ron Rivera plays the role. He's like, you know, I'm sorry to tell you, and he actually really, his body language is very disappointed, but then he tells him, you made the Pro Bowl. And Jeremy Reeves is at a loss for words. He starts crying. And I had no choice but to shed tears and cry too because it's one of those things that's like, you know, you know, it's just emotional. You know the guy's struggle. his persistence to not only not make an NFL roster, but to finally make an NFL roster, to find his niche on special teams, but then to make the Pro Bowl as a starter. Yeah. Um, this video is awesome, Joe. I got to send it to you. You got to watch this. Yes. His reaction and, his teammates taking so much joy. It reminded me kind of the scene in Rudy where everybody, Rudy's going to quit. Are the, they going to cut yeah, Rudy or something yeah, yeah. like that? And everyone puts their jackets on the table or like, I'm, I'm not going to play for you. If Rudy's not on the team, Yeah. this, this kind of had the same sort of feel um, not to say he's Rudy. Cause Rudy was obviously just wanted to get to you know, play one snap for Notre Dame. This is the NFL. Right. It's a whole different level. Jeremy Roos is probably super talented and he is super talented, but him making the pro bowl after not being able to, to make it on a roster, 53 a man roster, um, is quite the story. So I don't want to
1: spotlight that. That it sounds like an inspirational thing. I can't wait to say, you know, when you send me that link, because I, I like that kind of stuff too. The, you know, this is why we watch sports. It's one of many reasons why we watch sports because, you know, that, that passion, that drive, it's like Rocky, you know, it, it's like, you know, against all odds, it's, it's, it's those moments. It's not the only reason, but it's one of many reasons why. And Ron Rivera, Coming from a guy like that. I mean, if he starts telling you his, his story, I mean, if his, if his life story outside of football now, cause all these guys make money, but his personal life and his struggles are really interesting. And, and if his life story were a song, it wouldn't be a rock and roll song. It would definitely be a blues song. You know what I mean? Uh, so Ron Revere has had some stuff happen too. So with his own battles and he just lost his, his mother recently. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot going on. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to see that.
0: Yep. Um, so let's get to the, the main business here. Uh, Cowboys, Eagles, Christmas Eve. <laughs> um, you know, it looks like the Eagles are oh, the Cowboys. The, well, the Cowboys, That makes sense because Jalen Hurts is not playing. The Cowboys are favored by four and a half points. Um as a Cowboys fan, I mean Jalen Hurts isn't playing. If we can't beat you guys without Jalen Hurts, I know Minch. I love Gardner Minch. Mania is awesome. His He's not, not a bad replacement. Awesome. Yeah, he reminds yeah. me of the uncle from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, the movie Ma- Napoleon Dynamite. I saw that movie in theaters years ago. One of my good friends, Sean. Um, uncle Rico. Yeah, Uncle yeah. Rico. Yep. Um, but anyway, the game's at AT&T Stadium, so weather's not going to be an issue. You know, it's going to be you know inside. Um, it's in Texas. Cowboys are at home. Cowboys are 10 and four. The Eagles are 13 and one, you know, the Eagles pretty much have the division clinched uh, unless they pretty much lose all the rest of the games and the Cowboys win the rest of the games. I guess that's mathematically how that would work, I guess, but l- unlikely to happen. Um, but you know, I'm not, I'm not overlooking you guys, but I'm certainly, it's kind of a downer that that Jalen hurts is not playing. I mean, you know, I'm like, he's, he's also in the MVP race. Cause the year that Carson Wentz was going to win the MVP he was out a couple games for injury. Then he didn't win the MVP because that. Um, so I just hope it doesn't hurt Jalen Hurts his MVP chances. But Joe, what, what are your thoughts of the game? Are you just you know? Are you? I know you're pretty confident, but how confident are you now? Well,
1: you know, before before Jalen got hurt, I I, I was a, a confident almost with a little bit of a swagger. But even then, I, I I dialed it back. Even then, I dialed it back, and I said maybe a touchdown because what I'm going by. And, and now. Now it's going to be a little less, but here's my view of it overall is that I look at, at the cowboy. First of all, Vander Esch is not going to be there and he's a big, if you're yeah, going to have any, he's
0: okay. He's, he's had some injury problems, but he started, he started off his career as he was awesome. And then he kind of, he's kind of gone downhill a little
1: bit. I, I was like, I think can go sideline to sideline. He's really big in the run game. Um, and, um, You know, and that's, that's, I think we're going to be, I would think we're going to lean heavy, but you never know because let me just say this. I look at the Cowboys in isolation. Look what happened last week. Okay. It's a trap game. But if you look at the three weeks prior to that, I think they were all home games against clearly inferior opponents. And, yeah, they won the games and so forth. And even the one game where they they won significantly, it was a blowout, but it was a close game for three quarters and then a couple of fumbles and turnovers. It's not like they went out and they just hammered the other team. So the disparity in the score wasn't really indicative of, of what happened in that one game. My point is the last four weeks or so, the Cowboys have looked kind of, eh, eh, okay. Well, Not, I
0: said this before. We play down to our opponents usually.
1: That's that's a nice thing to say when 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 things aren't going well, and it's a nice way to kind of. Well, yeah, well, we're well,
0: a couple well, a couple episodes ago, you were like we were kind of high in the Cowboys, man, and all of a sudden that changed just because we you know we struggled to beat the Texans and then we lost to the Jaguars. But you know what exactly you know I know you well, don't I, like that da- you don't really like Dak that much, but it sounds like you really just think you know the Cowboys aren't you know even what? a formidable opponent.
1: No, no, I didn't say that. But what I said was, and I prefaced this by, I said in the last four weeks, because yeah, before that, weeks. before that, you're right. Before that, I was really concerned because it was a point where the, the Eagles hit this little bit of a mini lull. No, they tightened things up a Helen, but they, they were in the middle of that little lull and the Cowboys were looking strong. And I thought at that moment in time, I thought, I don't want to play them right now. Cause I had some concerns. Now I still have concerns because here's at the end of the day. Um, yes, the Cowboys have been wishy washy the last four games. Uh, but it's, it's in Texas and now we don't have a starting quarterback. And I'm not sure what, uh, our offensive coordinator is going to do. I would, I would think honestly, what I really think is, and it's just one of those, they think I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do that. I think the Eagles offensive coordinator, offensive coaches are thinking, geez, Dallas thinks that now that Jalen's hurt, we're going to go run heavy. So you know what, guys, let's throw it. Now we got a hell of a pass rush we're dealing with, but who, who pass protects better than our offensive line? Who in the sport protects better? And it's Gardner Minshew's no, sh- I mean, he he's not, joe montana but but he's he's you know he's a good backup a real good backup and you, if you got guys who can really get open against here's the thing there's the achilles heel if you really look specifically at the cow they always going to bring a, a hell of a pass rush you got a number 11 coming at you you got other things going on but in the back end of that secondary and this has been going on for a while with them they really look gettable so what i think the eagles are going to do is say okay they think we're going to run we'll give them some looks even some play action and this and that but boys garner crank it up we're going to go and we're going to throw the ball to the grim reaper you know what i mean slim reaper as i call him. uh and we're going to throw the ball to aj and now we got goddard who's just coming back off an injury who's who's a big part of their offense who they were missing i think they're going to put it up in the air and I think
0: and Minshew's Minshew's a very capable quarterback. I think yeah he's got he's got, he's, he's a borderline starter if not a full fledged starter. I think I I almost rather have Minshew than Dak. Honestly, I don't know. I I, I like Minshew. Well,
1: I, I would too. And and I, look, I don't I, I look Dak, Dak, Dak has lost a brother. Dak seems like a real nice kid, and Dak's a multi millionaire. So I'm not. I'm just gonna say it. And I, I, think it I never attra- thought he he's was, got was. an
0: attractive second. fiance too. Don't forget that.
1: Well, all these guys do they could look like the frankenstein's monster they got all they got the wallet so you see that a lot there i mean let's get real mean, like, okay but um i digress uh i never really bought this Dak bullshit i really don't and it's not that I, it's not that he's that he could be on the minnesota vikings he could be on the detroit Lions. i just never bought it i never thought i thought he's okay he's okay he's a scrambling quarterback and he's okay but he's not anywhere near the kind of money they paid for him they they were in a between a rock and a hard place. They didn't know what to do The Jerry Jones didn't know what to do it was, quarterbacks are hard to come by so um but um i and I don't think he's a scrub. I just think he's eh, he's I. Right. and right now right now, what's going on with him is his confidence when his confidence level is up he's 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 at least formidable when his confidence level is down he's really so. And here's the thing: the Eagles have shored up their run defense. That was a little bit of a low there. They've really shored they got, it up. They got
0: Jordan Davis back. They also got, signed a couple guys. You know,
1: signed a couple guys. And the proof's in the pudding. I mean, they've really sta- they shut down King Henry. I and mean, can't think Ken, Henry had uh, he had like 28 yards or something on on like 15 carry. I mean, it was, and that's what started them back. I mean, they're they're locked down pretty pretty well on the run game. And we've got people on the back end that can cover. Knock on wood, no injuries. Um, so I do – and now, you're, they're four-point favorites. You get three for just for being at home. So they're a point and a half. I. And you know why they're a point and a half? Because we're going with a backup quarterback. Now, all this being said, it's NFC East. Mutual respect, and here's the thing. Turnovers could play a big role, something like that. But I think 11 on 11, our offense against your defense and vice versa, your offense against our defense. I think we, I, I like our chances on either. In other words, I like our offense against your defense right now. And I like our defense's chances. How are you right guys
0: now. against uh, pass catching running backs?
1: Specifically, I, I, I. The Sean, first
0: game, the first game we lost by nine. We also didn't have Dak, we had Cooper Rush in there. Tony Pollard, who's really come on strong these past couple of weeks, weeks, um, he only had two catches for eight yards. But recently he's been very, very active in the passing game. Um, you know.
1: It's a good point. And he's a hell of a football player. And he's you know, he's not your 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 bell cow, but he's 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 interesting coming out of the back he's, going to have-
0: he's not always getting like he'll have like three or four catches and he'll have like twenty, thirty yards, but then he'll have a game where he has like versus Minnesota, he'll have he had six catches for 109 yards receiving. So he's a home run threat at all times.
1: So that Minnesota combination, defense. Minnesota of, uh, defense sucks.
0: Well, but yeah, ahead. I digress. Yeah. But Tony, Pollard and, uh, <laughs> C- Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard and Ceedee Lamb—you um, you can't underestimate that combination because I, you know, I consider those two guys our main our main offensive players.
1: Oh yeah, M- much respect. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here. So we're going to kick you in today. No, like the well, story. Everyone likes to think the Philadelphia fan. No, I'm saying this based on what I've seen out of Dallas in the last four or five weeks based on what I've seen from the Eagles in the last three, four weeks, I think we're, we're in a a better rhythm and we're playing better. And here's the thing too. We've got the division championship sitting there waiting for us. So. So
0: what's your, what's your, give me a score. What's your prediction? Cause I'll give mine too. All
1: right. So I'm going to say that is barring Any crazy turnovers of this or that, although I do think Dak's going to, he's going to throw us one tomorrow. Um, and look, Garner's, it's, it, it, as much as we build him up, he's not played in a while. So we're going to see what happens there. So he could, he could make a boo boo. Um, but I, I think, and I said this before last week, I said, I first said, we're going to beat you by at least 10. That's before Jalen went out. And even, even before he got hurt, I said, let me dial that back to about a touchdown. So I'm going to tell you right now, I think we can win this football game by six.
0: Okay. Okay. Cause the, so what's your score what's the score
1: all right the score shall be uh thirty to twenty four
0: all right i'm gonna uh i'm gonna say i think it'll be higher scoring than you think you're all you know fifty four points is, is not a lot is is not <laughs> is not necessarily you know it's a right. lot of points fifty four points is a lot because i think i think the spread um i think the over under is forty seven so over forty seven so you have the <laughs> over so you got over and you got the score um you got the Eagles beating the spread. Um, so, you know, I'm going Cowboys 38 35 in an exciting game.
1: <laughs> you think that you think the Cowboys are going to about 38 points against this defense?
0: I do. It's something magical about the Christmas Eve game, man. I'm telling okay. you.
1: Okay. Yeah. And you know what, Sean? It's, it's, it's not outlandish because it's a, it's a crazy game. At the end of the day, it's a crazy game. You never know what's going to happen. You really don't. And the special teams play this and that. That's one area that we're, where we're weak. The special teams play. You guys are usually strong in special teams. You never know a return. And again, the freaking turnovers. You know that's that's the whole thing, so
0: we'll and I didn't even realize we talked about Franco Harris uh but the Raiders are playing the Steelers all, tomorrow night at eight fifteen well, that's what in, I, in Pittsburgh
1: that's what I said to you that I feel bad for 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 the for Steelers fans or for Franco because this is going to be they, they did that Sean specifically to commemorate this oh thing. did they yeah, I, I
0: didn't know they' were able to schedule stuff that's that because I think every year I thought the schedule was kind of randomized I'm surprised N- they're able to do that
1: no th- and and whatever they did they did this way ahead of time and this this was supposed to be for the Raiders and everything and it was and they're going they're gonna stop and acknowledge this oh this was a big to do and the poor guy dies five four or five days before this yeah, but might, I just you think might it's best, you might have
0: the best seat in the house from heaven if you believe in that sort of thing
1: amen brother I sure now, do but the
0: weird thing about it because I, I want to look where the game is it says it's in Pittsburgh, but it's at Acre Shore Stadium, and that to me is still weird. Because for years, you know, Pittsburgh Heinz Field to me, you know, the Heinz family, you know, right? You know that type of thing. So seeing Accrashore Stadium is like, you know, what the hell? But uh, I want to say I digress again. We should have a counter for a digress, but um, yeah. So that's football. It's exciting. There's a ton of games tomorrow because tomorrow is basically football Sunday. I mean, the majority of the games are are tomorrow. I think there's only three on Sunday on Christmas. And the games at Christmas are not that anything great like for Chris for sports wise for me on Christmas. It's always about the NBA. The NBA games are awesome on Christmas. Uh, I look forward to those you know, every year. The Knicks, the Knicks are playing earlier this year. They're playing the Sixers at 12 o'clock on Christmas. Uh, but yeah, we're playing, we're playing the Sixers, man. So, I'm, I'm you know, that's your team. So do you think uh, you're going to be watching that?
1: Um, if I'm not watching the football, I'll watch it. I haven't really jumped on with the Sixers. I mean, look, I love the Sixers. Yeah, we, you we, know got, we, got
0: your, we got your, got your viewpoint last, last, I'm just wondering, cause yeah. it's Christmas. It's at 12 o'clock football starts around one o'clock. So you got an hour in there. Kind of just to check out what's going on with the
1: Sixers, you know, I'll check plus, it out a little bit and,
0: for mm-hmm. the podcast, for the podcast. Me, and you could talk a little bit Sixers next, you know, maybe on Monday's episode
1: perhaps I'm, I'm going to see what goes on and and the knicks are formidable so suddenly they i think they won, they won 10 of yeah, the last 12 we, or something
0: we won eight straight and then we lost yeah. to the raptors recently this week mm-hmm. we're playing the bulls again tonight um we played them i think this is the second time we played the bulls this week or the third time and like we for some reason the schedule is weird in the nba the, the teams will play each other a bunch of times in a short amount of time but um but yeah but as far as uh college basketball goes with me because i'm i'm a villain of the basketball diehard it's my it's basically my, they're my religion you know Right. Uh, but we're doing, we're doing good. We haven't lost a game since we got Cam Whitmore back and uh, you know, we just we won our first biggest game where St. John's was 11 and one going into the game and we were only six and five, but again, our six and five comes with an asterisk because Cam Whitmore wasn't playing. And also we haven't had Justin Moore play yet. So we beat St. John's by about 15 points. We're at home, but it was the first biggest game. It was Kyle Neptune's, you know, he's our new coach. It was his first biggest game. So we got a victory. I'm happy about that. Um, things are looking good for Villanova basketball. I think we're going to be a scary team, t- a team that a lot of teams are not going to want to play, especially if we make the tournament, because we don't even know if we're going to make the tournament now. We have to win a lot of games. We we probably can't lose more than four games the rest of the year. Um, but come March, uh, if we make the tournament, we'll likely be a 7-12 uh, to 12 seed. And, you know, a lot of, the, especially the second-round game, a lot of teams are not going to want to face us. So, Look out for Villa of the basketball. You know, we're, uh, momentum has changed. Um, but as far as a uh, bad gambling beat goes this week, I don't really have a bad gambling beat. I kind of took a little bit of a break from gambling. Um, it's Christmas time. You know, I'm mean, in such a good move because it's the holidays and, yeah, yeah. Sometimes gambling's fun, but when you lose in gambling, it's it's really not fun, you know? It can really <laughs> yeah. ruin it can really ruin your mood for a short amount of time. And I don't get tilted to the point where I'm like chasing the money. I got I just lost ten dollars and I lost on a very close bad beat. Therefore, I you know I go right back in the app and I make all these bets to make, make I don't do that. I have self-control. Um and I, I say this to all gamblers out there please use your self-control. You know, don't spend money that you don't have, but take little breaks. Cause when you take little breaks, it makes you appreciate things. And everything's you know, things in life are good in moderation. Um, and as far as Christmas goes, Joe, do you have any like food plans? Do you, you have any, uh, meals you're going to make on Christmas? Any traditions?
1: No, I'm just whatever. I, I'm just whatever my niece has over there. I'm going to, it's usually the, the normal stuff, but it's. It is what it is. So, you know, your turkey, I, I'm going to, I usually go turkey, mashed potatoes, little stuffing, sweet potatoes, little cranberry sauce. As long as it's the canned stuff, I don't need any, you know, I don't want to see any real berries in my yep. cranberry but sauce.
0: The, can, the canned cranberry sauce is the best. The ocean, I think it's ocean spray.
1: Yes. I love that. I really see it. When you,
0: you, you, have to like, you have to like, you know, you, know, you take the top off the can and then you you kind of shake it to get the the, the big thing of a and I want to see and yeah, it has the grooves from the can.
1: Just going to say you got to have some grooves in there, and you cut a couple slices of that to to augment your plate, man. You got it made, and then whatever's for dessert, and it's mine. <laughs> you know, so
0: um, so you have any last words for anyone today?
1: Last words: uh, As Wichita falls, so falls Wichita.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm um, I'm glad everyone listened to this uh, latest episode. This is our a christmas episode because christmas is sunday uh we're doing another one probably monday so that will be out monday night probably tuesday or you know if we don't record monday we're going to do tuesday so it'll be out before wednesday for sure um uh, again we're on spotify apple tune in radio uh, the numbers are looking pretty decent so far we only started in early november um glad everyone's listening um again yep. i'm on tiktok at show and review stuff I'm also on Twitter at SeanMatthew13 and Instagram at SeanMatthew13. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great holidays.
1: Take care.